Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing. It doesn't matter. Every single prop, every single play, every single point, it's all at Bet Online. When it comes to bets, when it comes to props, everything that you need is at your headquarters for sports betting. That's Bet Online. Head to the website right now, use your mobile device, sign up, get a 50, that's 50% welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, that's BLEAV, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus. Come on, there's no need to hesitate. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's get down to business. An active lifestyle can cause hemorrhoids. That sucks. Lucky for you, they're south of the border. South of the border is a holistic approach to dealing with the affected area. Go to southoftheborder.com, use code AHOLE, A-H-O-L-E, get yourself 30% off. That's pretty rad. And this is not an area of your body you wanna put bad ingredients in. Make sure you turn to south of the border. Southoftheborder.com, code AHOLE. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. <laughs> yes, bitch! Welcome to the Mikey Likes You podcast. I am Mikey Who Likes You Are You Who Is Liked. And first and foremost, I want to say thank you to Giorgio who is the mastermind behind the scenes making this show a possibility also to bet online and to First Attachment, who is making the best health and fitness supplements on the planet, and to my new sponsor, South of the Border, the only place you need to turn if you have unfortunate incidents, especially hemorrhoids, to that area south of the border, hence the name. Of course, Mexican culture is amazing to base it around, but it's more in reference to south of. Uh, it is actually an amazing product, and many of you have, might have caught my commercial, or sorry, my uncle Javier's commercial for south of the border on my socials. Um, but I'm very, very happy to be involved with them because uh, the company, and as far as like the the scientists that make the cream itself, they're very concerned with. Um, holistic health and you're talking about like the most sensitive tissue on your body and most absorbent tissue on your body for a woman a woman parts and then of course you're you're behind um, so they're making sure that all the ingredients are things that you should feel comfortable and happy to place in that absorbent area and then on top of that they have like really fun cool marketing that they they don't take themselves too seriously which I always think is a big plus in any marketing or entertainment endeavor um and the stuff works here's something that i wanted to point out not to do a, a, an extended exaggerated uh commercial but people who lift heavy things if you're putting pressure on your trunk that is one of the main reasons why people develop hemorrhoids um, so there is there is some synergy in tying. I didn't just randomly, you know, take a, take a paycheck to do a funny commercial. Um, hemorrhoids are a, a huge problem for people who are consistently putting a lot of pressure to the center of their gravity. Uh, so people who are lifting heavy weights consistently is is one of the or one of the demographics that's going to be affected by that. And if you 
seem to be affected by that south of the border is the best stuff to take care of that. All right, let's move on to the show. So I put up a post on my Patreon, another shameless plug, uh, but I did. I put up a post on my Patreon and um, did a bonus pod. So if you're interested in the bonus pod, all tiers have access to my bonus pod, which I'm going to start doing more frequently, which just gets into more detail about the things that I talk about on the Mikey Likes You podcast or just wax poetic about crap that I noticed in my life. Recently did a post about FOMO. Um, it has nothing necessarily to do with fitness, but I got to thinking about FOMO and how it isn't necessarily a bad thing. And also, we've always had it as humans. I think it's very natural. But anyway, I did a post and I did a... a, a a bonus pod discussing the idea of cardiovascular training because I get so many people who are very um, curious as to why I seem to be anti-cardio. And let me tag, let me just get that out of the way first. I'm by no means anti-cardio, especially for people who are athletes in any type of taxing anaerobic and aerobic sport combat sports, any combat sport, football, hockey, rugby, basketball, soccer, yeah, fill in the blank. You know you know what I'm talking about. Conditioning and cardio and and respiratory and cardiovascular conditioning is paramount. It's probably more important than any other form of exercise uh, uh, than uh, and movement than your skill work. That's always going to be learning how to play football better is always going to be more important than anything uh, than strength or speed or learning how to wrestle is more important than anything, but very close second, especially in the combat sports, is your conditioning. You can be world record holder, power lifter level strength. If you gas out, all bets, the fight is over. Chael Sonnen said something very interesting, and Chael, for maybe for newer fans to MMA, I don't know if people realize because his personality is so huge and he's so funny and eloquent. I think people look at him as more of a personality than a fighter. But people forget if you've been around, you know, you know, your MMA. Chael Sonnen was a dominant wrestling based fighter, like a dominant fighter. He was in three world title fights, wasn't he? You and 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 the one he lost in the last. I don't know. It's certainly the end of the the final round against Anderson. We got trying was he he didn't. He didn't beat Anderson. He didn't technically win because Anderson, like a champion does, figured out a way to win the fight. But he beat the shit out of he Anderson. He dominated Silva. him. Took he him beat, down easily. He didn't just kind of get the edge. He fucking destroyed Anderson Silva. It looked like Nicky Rod rolling with me where it's just double leg after double leg after double leg. Pass, smash, smash, smash. It was domination. And Chael was a, a, a super high-level collegiate wrestler and a near-Olympic-level uh, wrestler and then transitioned to MMA quite greatly. He was he was a very effective fighter. And he said something that always stuck with me. He said the first round of a fight is essentially who's the better fighter. The second round is a blend of who's the better fighter and who's in better shape. Anything after that, it's just who's who's got more wind. Anything after that, he said who who's in better condition is going to win the fight. Um and not being a professional fighter or even a, a high caliber one, um, I, I don't know that to be true, but it certainly sounds very uh, plausible. Considering I, I am a guy who has trained and trained for a long time, I don't care how good you are. If you're gassed to the point that you can't piece things together, it's over. 
And unless someone is just an abject beginner and kind of a doofus, you're you're going to get smashed. Um, so gas, so cardiovascular training is something. Uh, interval training, pushing your anaerobic and aerobic threshold. It's got it's got to be done, and I always program that in great detail for someone who is looking to compete in any sport uh, that I might have mentioned. But when we're talking about looking good naked, diet, specific diet and adherence to said diet and resistance training are crucial. It's not open for debate. It has to be done. Cardiovascular training doesn't. It absolutely does not. When we're talking about longevity and uh, internal health, what you guys and gals typically know of as cardiovascular training is not at all really that important. Lots of low-level movement is keeping your heart rate slightly elevated and doing it lots and lots of times um, is great for your heart health. Um, but what people think of when they're talking about like, I went and I crushed it, I got sweaty, I got on the rower, I got, I went and ran, uh, you know, seven minute miles for five miles today and I'm just covered in sweat. There's a lot more that can happen that will actually detract from your goals than will help you get closer to them. Um, when we're talking about what people traditionally know as cardiovascular training. Um, so that being said, I always try to open people's eyes, especially when I get either a new client or someone who comes to talk to me and they're like, all I want to do, I want to look awesome this summer. Can you give me some help? I was like, yeah, let's go. What do you, what is your training? They're like, well, I run marathons. I go, okay, well, stop that. If it, if you love it, we'll figure out a way to work it in and, and work around it, but it's not optimal. What would be optimal is to find a really good, consistent, sustainable weight training program, and you got to just double down on your diet. That's it. When it comes to looking amazing, that is it. So I just wanted to discuss that in a little bit more detail. Now, is that to say that you can't have a component of your training program that is cardiovascular-based on top of your weight training and not still make tremendous gains? Of course you can. I, I simply wanted to point out from a, from a purely, it's much like carbohydrates. People say, you know, they're just completely unnecessary. And I go, well, yeah, to live, to survive, um, and to end up probably being good health. They're, they're kind of unnecessary. Um, if you want to do anything with like high levels of explosiveness and anaerobic capacity, you, you need carbohydrates. Okay. But if you want to just, you know, live your life, yeah, you, uh, Technically, they're not necessary. And the same is for cardio. If we if we want to go and do specific things, it is very important, but it's not technically necessary when we're discussing looking good naked, which is the main priority for most people who start to engage in physical fitness. And there's nothing wrong with that. People get ashamed of that and they like to make up ideas. Well, no, I want to live long. But no, most people, when they strap on those running shoes, when they go to the gym and they they join the gym, they meet with the manager and they do the, you know, well, you get one free session with it and you sit down, you're, you're whole, you're in your mind. You're like, I just, I, I'm tired of being fat or I'm tired of being scrawny or you're thinking about how can I look better? And that's okay. That's totally fine. Because when it comes to health, longevity, what we look at as health, right? Having lower levels of body fat and adipose tissue is the the most important thing you can do having a sizable amount of lean muscle mass 
and having lowered amounts of body fat is the best thing you can do for your uh, when it comes to blood sugar, when it comes to blood pressure, when it comes to longevity, when it, almost all things can be boiled down to all form mortality is the person with a optimal level of body fat and lean muscle tissue is going to be healthy. And the person who has a distorted level of either is going to be not healthy. That's why you see like bodybuilders, you know, bulk, perma bulk guy is living his life in the gym, maybe even really concerned with what he's eating or her, what she's eating. But a guy can't be 20% body fat and be healthy. And a woman can't be 25 plus and be healthy. It just, that that's not what your hormones, your blood pressure, your all form cardiovascular health is, is completely, um, is completely detracted from. And when you see people lose weight, even if they, this is something that I hate kind of getting into, but I don't like to lie to people when it comes to them achieving their health goals. And the, the reality is, is if you eat uh, in a, in a well-targeted caloric deficit, very consistently, and it's McDonald's and Pop-Tarts, you're going to lose weight and you're going to get in better shape. Your health is going to be in way better. You could be a very obese person, very out of shape person if they measure your health markers. And if after six months you eat in a 350 calorie deficit, but it's all shit food, your health markers are going to increase dramatically. More so than they would if you were to eat really what we know as nutrient-dense healthy foods, and eat in a caloric surplus. You would stay the same level of body fat. You would have the same kind of health problems. You would even see an increase, okay? Now, is that to say go eat Pop-Tarts and McDonald's? No, it's not. Because I don't think, I certainly know for me, and I'm pretty disciplined with eating, I can't have those foods and consistently eat in a deficit or at maintenance because it's they're too highly palatable. I can't just eat, if I eat one Pop-Tart, I'm having four. Um, now granted I, I, I exert a lot of energy in the day, but it's, this is not sustainable. I have a really hard time overeating chicken thigh and ground bison. I like it. I like it a lot, but I, I'm pretty, it's really easy to kind of day to day take control of those things that I'm eating. Also, if you combine the two, if you're losing that body fat and you're eating nutrient dense, healthy foods, your health increases by health markers will be better. They'll be better. Um, it's one of the craziest things I've seen. You know, I, I have not had a sip of alcohol in 22 years. And up until two years ago, I would go get my blood work done. And my liver was just terrible. It had the liver values of like an active alcoholic. And my doctor would constantly be like, okay, you can be honest with me. I was like, dude, I'm in recovery. I really... I have zero drinks a week. He always be like, how many a week are we talking? And I go, I swear, I don't drink. I, I don't know how else to put this. We boiled it down to, uh, uh, there was some component of uh, a antidepressant that I was taking. But out, outside of that, I had to change, just slightly change certain foods. I upped the amount of certain foods I was eating and I took away certain foods. My liver is now very, very healthy. My liver markers are fantastic. And I only point that out is it's a kind of a little bit of evidence as to it's anecdotal, admittedly, but there is evidence to show that, yes, if you lose the weight, you will you will get all the health benefits, regardless if you're eating crap food. 
But if you lose the weight and you happen to really uh, commit to eating nutrient-dense foods, there's also the added benefit there of function of internal organs, okay? So I got into the weeds about like, well, what do you do when it comes to cardio? And here's how you got to analyze it from what is chemically appropriate for the human system. And that is low-level, consistent, constant exercise. Movement is medicine. We, as an, and the homo sapien, is a lot of things. And we're pretty amazing if you look at us in comparison to the animal kingdom. Of course, the cognitive aspect is what most people would immediately go to. And it is vast, the, the advantage we have over all the rest of the animal kingdom. But on top of that, um, we are not particularly strong. Even half Thor or, or you know, Mark Bell named these incredibly strong people. Uh, are nothing compared to a similarly sized chimpanzee, or I can name 10 animals where we, we would get smashed when it comes to strength. Even Usain Bolt is nothing compared to a cheetah, you know, numerous animals as far as Michael Phelps in his prime is a very fast swimmer. A dolphin would walk away from him. My point being is that we are not gifted in in these departments one thing we are gifted in even just an out of shape human we're designed to go all day at a slow pace we're designed we we we're really good at that in comparison to most mammals bipedal mammals especially we're way better than bears and um you know gorillas and simian uh, animals like that and it's because we need it and it's also absolutely the reason why we see a tremendous decline in uh, hormonal health amongst men, a tremendous decline amongst fertility, amongst health of all markers amongst women compared to 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. There's never been stronger people in the world than there is right now. And there's never been faster people than there is right now. There's never been people who could jump higher than the people who jump high right now. All the top tier, we're all constantly advancing. But the average guy right now compared to the average man in 1935 is a pudgy little bitch. Okay, internally and externally. And that isn't because, oh, the soy and, and uh, you know, you, because guys are betas and they have the different mind. I'm sure there's a component that men were were very hard in the the early part of the 20th century. But on top of that, the the majority of it is that most people, most overwhelming majority of people in generations past, moved all day because they had to. That was life. There wasn't the convenience of a lot of the technology we have, and very, very, very few people had white collar jobs. Even the majority of women who did not work, being a, a homemaker was it involved a tremendous uh, increase in movement day to day. When you think about how uh, child rearing technology has made it easier for us to kind of just keep kids occupied and things like that, like keeping children, uh, walking a kid numerous times a day, keeping them going and carrying a baby and all these things and vacuuming and cooking without microwaves so you you get my point is that people were moving lots in 1935 1955 continue going down the line people nowadays even healthy people don't move as much just existing and so you need to try to 
inhabit that as best you can. You need to, to synthesize that lifestyle as best as you can. And I understand uh, I'm a guy who talks into a microphone for a living and then has the luxury of being a farmer on top of that. Uh, I understand everyone, most people don't have that luxury of A, being in control, mostly in control of their schedule, and B, uh, having a lot of physical activity that I have to do just in a day-to-day -day basis. It's uh, 10 in the morning here right now as I record this. I've already walked like 4,000 steps, just feeding the cats and dogs outdoors, feeding the indoor cats, then taking the hay up from the hay, uh, the hay silos into get the donkeys and the goats ready, and then go down and feed the guinea fowl. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I live a, I am forced to live a very active lifestyle. You may be working in a cubicle, a long haul truck driver, something that your life makes you sit. However you can day in and day out, moment to moment, combat that is the most important. That is the paramount type of non-resistance training exercise that you need to be engaging in. It is as important as anything else. When we talk about, well, I want you to live a long time and I want you to look good as you're doing it. You got your resistance training, you got your diet, and then you got to be moving all day. Netflix and chill has to be like once in a real blue moon. And the big problem that I've seen with people who try to go too hard too fast is that you may be dropping your calories. You may be stepping up your intensity in the weight room. But then the combination of the two drains you so much that your activity outside of the gym just plummets. You're just dead. And in the long run, that's going to be worse off. That's going to be worse off. Um, most people don't have the luxury of a professional athlete's lifestyle where outside of their training, which is exhaustive, then they can sports massage every day, they can sauna every day, whatever it is that these recovery practices, okay? But you can then taper your hard, your, your going hard in order to make that energy base available to you to go for three walks a day. If you're working, if you're an attorney, you're, you're an accountant, you're uh, a, a teacher, whatever you live a traditionally indoor kind of sedentary job, you can set timers and go for walks. And if you work as a long haul truck driver, you can't go for walks. You can pull over every hour or two and do body weight squats or jump up and down, get your body moving, you swing your arms and things like that. That's, that's the level. I'm not talking about anything exhaustive, very low level, consistent and constant movement is incredibly vital. And then on top of that, you get the added benefit of all these uh, all these NEPA calories, non-exercise physical activity the, in the fitness world, it's called NEPA. Um, all these NEPA points get added up. And at the end of the year, I, you know, I can show you my little iPad, uh, iPhone breakdown because it has pedometers. All smartphones have a pedometer now. Um, it, the last three or four years prior to moving to Texas, I was averaging 12,000 steps a day. Now I'm out here, it's like 15, 16,000 steps a day. I don't hit the treadmill. I don't go on the step mill. I, don't, I, I do literal farmer's carries and I walk all over the place. And even if I don't have a particularly exhaustive day, I, I have now found the therapeutic value of making the decision of like, I can sit here 
and look at YouTube and do nothing, or I can throw on my headphones and continue listening to whatever I'm doing and go outside, get in touch and just see the world and just move my body, move my body. Yeah, I did squats yesterday, so I'm not exactly going to go run some sprints or anything, but so what? So just move my body and I get going and I swing my arms as I'm doing. And, and there's a, a huge uh, mood elevation benefit. And also, like I said, you're kind of fitting in line with how we as human beings are supposed to be living our lives because it is not supposed to be a sedentary endeavor. Now, I mentioned something. When you look at people who are engaging in wildly exhaustive activity to the point that it compromises their ability to even do baseline level con consistent movement where you have to you literally have to go and sit on the couch, crossfitters, things like that. Um active uh competitive fighters like competitive fighters ha kind of have the excuse of you know what i'm not going for a walk when i get home i'm gonna eat my meal and i'm gonna get a nap in or i'm gonna lie here and do shit until my second training of the day keep your legs above your head maybe put some ice on get ready for 4 p.m but that's, uh, you know, Giorgio's a, com a competitive wrestler like he understands that's not most people that's not even me. And I do jujitsu three, five times a week, you know, somewhere in that ballpark on top of pretty exhaustive weight training. Um, and I still have the ability to kind of pick myself up off that couch and just not veg out and let my, my kind of circulation get really stagnant. Um, if you are not a competitive athlete in that regard, in that world, you shouldn't be training that hard. If you are a regular person, even an advanced, fit, regular person, if you're a regular guy and gal, three truly intense training sessions a week is about all you're getting. You can do more training, but three is going to be about the max of the good training, the effective, highly intense training. Yeah, there's <laughs> no reason to simulate elite sports or elite combat. Like you can do skill acquisition, you can get in shape, you can do all these things, but there's absolutely no reason to like need to put yourself in those situations and those scenarios unless you do have the goals of being a professional athlete. It's just like it's it's a very good point. And it's just like I uh, talked about with a post I recently did on Patreon about diet. You have to have your diet has to be commensurate to your goals and your lifestyle in both directions. If you're not a competitive athlete you can't expect to live like a competitive athlete and have that work out for you. If you are just someone who is uh, 30 pounds overweight and wants to get in better shape and you don't have any real training history, you can't have the training program of, you know, Ronnie Coleman in his prime. You can't even have the training program of me. I'm an old man. Um, adversely, if you put in the work that my grandma would put in to get in better shape, you can't expect to look like you're going to be on the cover of a magazine. Being on the cover of a magazine, okay, here, I'm a better example because being on a cover of a magazine almost sounds surreal. It doesn't sound like a real thing. But I'm 10.5% body fat, okay, at 45 if I wanted to get to 8% body fat, 
it, it, I'd have to essentially devote my life to it. I can have my 45 minutes here to do my show. I can have the time with my wife and my daughter, the, the basics of like living a, a, a meaningful life. But outside of that, I'm always thinking about weighing my food, taking, putting it in there, taking it with me wherever I go, having the Tupperware ready, meal prepping a couple days a week for the whole rest of the week. No snack, not even a bite of like, hey, you got to taste this ice cream I just got, Papa, my daughter. And I was like, no, I can't have that taste, okay? It's my whole life, my training, backing off on sets, going harder on sets, everything, every detail, is it's consuming. That's the level it would take. If you're 25% body fat and you want to get to 15, not only is it unnecessary to do what I would be doing, it's counterproductive because that's not sustainable for someone with 25% body fat that doesn't have an extensive training history. Okay, so you have to have the the activity. The deposit has to be commensurate to the re expected return. And Giorgio points it out correctly. Like if you want to look better naked, then why are you doing um, George St. Pierre's 2008 conditioning routine? George St. Pierre's 2008 conditioning routine so that he would never gas out in a five round fight is not something George St. Pierre at age 26 would do. He does it once a year because he knows it's going to drain me. My system will not uh, tolerate that on a long-term ability. You know, Faraz Sahabi is one of the people who has been at the at the forefront of preparing for and understanding that, look, you can't, you can't ride a horse with two asses. Um, Faraz didn't say that. I did. But actually, I believe Matt Vincent was my, my friend. Matt Vincent was the one who uh, originally gave me that terminology. And what he means by that is like, if you want to be a bodybuilder, you're going to have to go into that higher volume, that higher rep range with heavy weights. And your fucking legs are going to be so sore, you can hardly take a shit. Do you think you can go and do grappling practice in the morning and then practice your striking at night? No. If you're going to go and practice your grappling in the morning and striking tonight, maybe work in strength and conditioning in between that, do you think you can be a championship level bodybuilder? No. So my point being is like your lifestyle, your choices you make when it comes to your training and your eating have to be on par with not only who you are as a person, it has to be realistic to who you are, but it has to be realistic and on par with where you want to go. Okay. And so my point being knowing not thinking, but knowing that the overwhelming majority of people out here watching or listening to this, that their main goal is just to look better in the mirror when they take their clothes off or to peel off the shirt when it's a beach day and, and not feel poopy about it. I'm telling you, you don't need to be doing all these things, especially when it comes to your cardiovascular training. Engaging in lots of low-level movement on top of your very regimented, very scheduled uh, resistance training is all you're going to need. And mostly when it comes to looking amazing, it's mostly diet anyway. <laughs> okay? So I'd hate to see people waste the energy, burn themselves out on something that I know is not helping them get closer to their goals. In fact, oftentimes it's, it's getting them farther away. All right. So that is my show for today. I hope you like it. If you're interested in more um, hands-on help, my Patreon is available. My top tier gives you the ability to be trained by me, nutrition, custom nutrition, custom training, and you have access to me with a email account that is designed just for you and my top tier clients. And then also the Patreon in general 
is in my opinion, a wealth of information, or at least I try really hard to make it that. And it helps support the show so that we can keep going. Thank you to Giorgio. Thank you to Bet Online. Thank you to South of the Border. Thank you to First Detachment. And in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.